Hello and welcome to the Permaculture Podcast with Scott Mann, a listener-supported program. My guest for this episode is Jen Mendez, the founder of Permi Kids. As this episode comes out, I've known Jen for over a year, beginning with some conversations via phone and email about parenting and permaculture, and then digging in on discussions of different pedagogical approaches and the changes in curriculum between primary and secondary education. We finally got a chance to sit down together and talk for a while last year at the Mother Earth News Fair in Seven Springs, Pennsylvania, which is where the cover photo for this episode comes from, which thankfully was taken by photographer John. Those experiences reinforced our interest in working together as we both have areas of education that we focus on. Mine is definitely towards adults, both young and older, and she has a fantastic ability to work with young children and families. That focus on children and families forms the framework for this conversation as we talk about the various ways that Jen applies permaculture to teaching children and engaging family members and other mentors in order to provide the best experience possible for everyone involved by reconnecting those who care about children and the children themselves with education. Hers is not a one-size-fits-all approach, and it shows, but rather than hear me talk about it, listen to Jen herself, share her perspective, and I'll join you again afterwards. Then, Jen, if you could give us a little bit of your background, biography, how you came to start uh, the permikids.com website and your work with permaculture, and we can take the conversation from there. Absolutely, Scott. Thanks for having me on again. I always really enjoy our conversations. I always leave our conversations very energized and also with a lot of things to think about, so I, I enjoy our discussions. So I am a mother of two, and um, my husband and I got into permaculture probably five years ago or so now. And my husband actually was the one throughout his entire life, you know, so the last, well, 40-some years now, he has been into gardening. And he went through that, you know, often that typical transition of gardening. And again, he did this as a kid too. And so every time they'd move houses, he'd start a new garden. And as he went through his life, he went from gardening in general to raised bed gardening to organic gardening and, you know, eventually came across permaculture. And so this evolution has taken place. And interestingly enough, my husband won my heart in many ways through that because I always enjoyed eating. And so we had a, a really great time as we were going to get to know one another. And he was telling about the gardening and going out and sharing his passion with me. And over the years, um, over the last uh, 15 plus years that we've been together, I have grown to very much enjoy a deeper connection with the earth and with the place that I'm at. I find that really just helps me slow down. And so as we've transitioned ourselves, just as, as a couple, and then finding permaculture and developing our own understanding and cultivating our own skills within permaculture, I transitioned also during this time from a career where I was, I was working in the military, and I transitioned out. And even when I was in the military, I found myself not doing the jobs that my title indicated. What I found was I was working with young adults who most often didn't know how to look at the world around them and the information that they're flooded with and really start to analyze it and synthesize and start to see patterns within and be able to evaluate and then, you know, work on those critical thinking skills. And so I found myself throughout my years in the military actually taking on much more of that role, um, which was actually an educator role in its own way. 
And as I transitioned out of that career field, I sat down and I said, you know, what is it that I have loved about the lifestyle and the different jobs I've had in the past and what is it that I want in my life? What is it that I want to, that I want to bring in and I want to be living every single day? And what I found was that education was really my passion. And as I reflected over my experiences, I came to realize that we really need to start much younger. That yes, I was able to touch the lives of some young adults and they most definitely touched mine. But why are we waiting to that point? Why do we have so many young adults who don't know who they are, don't have an idea about their place within their communities, their family, uh, let alone the world at large? And, you know, we send them out and we're like, well, now go figure it out. And it seems so odd to me because when you think about young children and you ask a young child, even a toddler, what is it that you love? And they can tell you. They can tell you and they know, and they have a better understanding of themselves than our young adults do. And so I realized that education was something that I wanted to have in my life and that I felt like it was something I could give back. Couple that then with a growing understanding of permaculture, and I found myself integrating the framework of permaculture, not just permaculture in the landscape, but you know the idea that permaculture is a framework that helps you see yourself see others and see the world around you in a totally different way. It helps you see not just natural resources, but natural relationships and how to cultivate those to, one, better care for yourself, because if you aren't doing that, you aren't going to be in a place to care for others in the earth, not in the long term anyway. And then seeing those relationships. And so I found myself integrating the framework of permaculture into what I was doing as an educator, both in the classroom and then As I had my own children, I decided to leave the classroom and be a stay-at-home mom. And so my children are still young enough that I don't have to declare anything as far as, you know, what am I doing? But I tell folks that I am homeschooling because that is what's understood. But my children are still so young. And what we do is really I use the framework with them to help them understand themselves and to find what they are interested in, what they're passionate about, what their talents are, and to start to to use those to then find their own way to make a difference in the world. And it may be completely different than mine or my husband's. You know, again, my husband's passion is is out in the yard. And with the garden, we've, we have a food forest, forest going, a couple acres of food forest. And he loves that. And I, I, I do too. But for my children, yeah, they, they like getting out the landscape. But it doesn't matter what they're learning. That framework applies and so I found myself coupling these two things, integrating them. And, and I found it was really powerful. And it just started to, to make sense to me. And so I, through some encouragement by, uh, by some other folks in the, uh, the greater permaculture world, um, in particular uh, Jack Spierko, I was at an Earthworks training seminar at his house and had the opportunity, everyone did actually, to stand up for a minute and a half and give a pitch about an idea that and it didn't have to be a permaculture idea, any idea. And so I stood up and I basically said, you know, here's what I see. Here's what I'm doing with my kids. You know, why are we not helping children through education understand the framework? And again, it's not just about the physical landscape. Um, and so with that, I got the encouragement to say, you know what, I'm going to put this message out there and I'm going to see, does this resonate with anyone else? So oh, a little over a year ago now, I started Permi Kids. And I started a podcast with it. And that was my way of just talking, 
and saying, here are some of the ideas I'm contemplating. Does this make sense to anyone else? You know, is this off my rocker? I mean, what, you know, what's going on? I would love to connect with others in the community because as I've now over the last year developed relationships with lots of different people around the world because Permian Kids really started as online community. And it's really meant to be a community hub for families but also for educators and then also organizations and businesses. And what brings us all together is that no matter what level you're working at or what age the children are, we all have this, this calling to, um, to help children use the permaculture framework and, and through their own interests and passions to come to a better understanding of themselves and their place in this world and, you know, the, the social as well as the, the ecological consciousness um, that comes with, with permaculture. And so um, Permakids has, has well, it's just developed in, in all sorts of ways. It's been an amazing, amazing journey this last year. And, you know, and it's, it's just getting started. But, you know, that's kind of my personal journey, how I got to where I am and how I am hoping to inspire others because... It's really interesting. Almost everyone that I talk to comes to me and says, oh, I am so glad I found you and Permi Kids. I felt so alone. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, but let's look around. Look at, look at the hundreds and hundreds of people just within the last year who have stepped forward and said, I feel alone. We're not. And how do we come together as a community and invite our children into this process? And really, in a sense, reinvent and redesign education. And that can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. And actually, how do we welcome that diversity when we're having these sort of discussions? So that's ultimately, you know, how I've got to where I am and Permi Kids and its development and how the community is starting to come together. And, and ultimately, I, I really hope that Permi Kids is something that's perhaps I – I started it and I started the podcast, you know, talking to a wall, <laughs> which is always such an interesting experience, you know, versus having a, a conversation where you see another person's face. But it's something that I really hope that the community shapes and develops and evolves and that we are able to, you know, to really honor and bring in our children's voices as we move forward and each find our own way, our own niche, but leverage each other as we do it so that each one of our individual efforts ends up being just exponentially enriched because we have these symbiotic relationships happening. So I know that sounds like a mouthful, but I just I love the integration between permaculture framework and education and kids. And I think personally, it is the root of a lot of the problems that we see in the world today. And even I think in permaculture, we get caught up in seeing and addressing the symptoms, and we, we aren't really getting to the root. And to me, a big part of the root of the problem of what is happening in the world and, and where we're going and, and what many people are concerned about and what brings them to permaculture is that our youngest generations are not integrated into a community where they come to understand and honor and value the ethics more than anything else. No matter what they choose to do in their life, it shouldn't matter where they go. It shouldn't matter what they do. You can be a lawyer. You can be a chef. I mean, you can be, uh, you name it, and you can live a permaculture life. I truly believe that it's not tied to the landscape. And so we're missing the values piece. 
with our children. And a lot of the young adults that seem to come to permaculture are like, oh, it just wraps it all together. It makes sense. But if you don't have those underlying values as something that really are internalized by our children, and if we don't have a community that is there to actually welcome and bring them into and mentor them along the way, then we're just going to end up repeating the problems of the past. So to me that, you know, the kids are really the key to to changing the future. And that idea of community and leveraging our own abilities is one of the places where you and I came together when we were having a conversation about education because of your interest in young children through to use the American system, you know, around the middle school age, and then where it's with my interest in education picks up at around that time and then leads forward from there. And with that, I was wondering if you could speak some about how you're applying permaculture to children of a young age and taking that idea of them knowing what their loves and interests are and stepping that forward through a permaculture context. Sure, absolutely. And yes, I mean, that's really what brought us together was I'm mostly focused on, again, kind of to use the American education system as, as a, a baseline, the primary years and younger. And because I think that those are the years that, again, more than any particular subject or particular skill, it ends up being more important to understand your values and who you are and what you stand for and what communities you are going to to become part of and to bring forward into the future. And so I started working with young children in mind. And to do that, you know, I, I do some some actual classes here at my homestead, but really what it started with is in order to reach young children, we need to be talking with the families. And unfortunately, I think one of the issues with the traditional education system, in particularly here in the U.S., is that parents or family members are expected to be the ones that bring their child to the place of learning, drop them off, that's where they do their learning, and then they're expected to pick them up and support what is brought home from that learning environment, homework, and or support it by behavior requests that are happening in the school, and then wait for some sort of report that comes and says how, how well your kid's learning. And we're missing that edge. You know, when we think about educational edges, you know, parents are one of them that is not integrated in, and even some of the, the most proactive teachers and schools, either traditional or, or alternative that I'm, I'm aware of, still are not really cultivating that, as, and let alone the bigger community. And so I really started with, with reaching out to families first and saying, you know, hey, does this, does this something that makes sense, and how would you like to, to come together? And so it started off with us doing some edge alliances, which you talk about on, on your podcast, and you've been so kind to, to share when we do have edge alliances happening, which are simply opportunities either through your computer, so video conferencing, or just a telephone to call and, and get together and collaborate. And so our community started there and talking about what is going on, what are our actual problems, and how do we, just like permaculture, how do we make those into solutions? And that ended up in a request to create what's called educational design. It's an online, but a lot of, of interaction through, again, the phone or, or computer where families get together. And, and it's so funny, people 
go through educational design, they're like, you know, it's using the framework of permaculture, the ethics, the principles, the way of thinking, the way that you would actually design out your physical landscape applies to a learning landscape, just like it applies to a social landscape. It applies to our life landscape. And it's just that people need a place to start. And so I put that together along with the community. And it's really a way to help parents walk through and actually have discussions, start thinking about what catch and store energy, for example, might look like with children, which of course with young children, a lot of that has to do with emotional energy when we're talking about the ages that, that I focus on. And, you know, a lot of times, again, in print culture, we're so focused on the physical landscape, but that emotional energy piece is, is absolutely essential. And in fact, I think that the raw intellectual curiosity of our children is like one of the most underutilized, undervalued resources in this world. And so we work to actually tease that out and help our children come to an understanding of, of themselves. But a lot of it is also helping the families do that. And as people have gone through the educational design, we do things like where they create actually a, I call it a, a me map, but it's think of like a map key, right, where it, it has symbols that you might find on, on, for example, world map. So our children and our parents actually work together. And instead of writing an educational curriculum that is, you know, sentences and written from an adult for another adult to read, we do the, the me map where the children actually are there and are helping create that. Then we take that and we identify what is most important, what's, you know, what we're going to focus on. We look at the energy resources. And we look at uh, what's happening with our community. We have a community engagement logic map that helps us see resources in our community that will just forever change your view of what community actually is. And it all stems then from your child's interests and passions and actually create then in the end a personalized learning map, which is often case drawn, but it could be sculpted. I mean, and it's actually done with the child. And that helps them identify what they're interested in and how to move forward. And all of, the, all of the ethics and all the principles are embedded in this, but it's doing it with a learning landscape. And so I use one of the examples to help people kind of understand of, you know, well, how does, how does a child understand permaculture if they're not actually out in the yard? And, you know, ideally, they do have that connection to nature. But what if their interests and passions are taking them in a different direction? You can be doing anything. You can learn about anything, and the framework can apply. So my son has recently really been into superheroes and, of course, the villains as well. And so it's very easy to see if you have an interest in, in superheroes, how you could integrate language arts. There's you know, even fairly easy ways to see about how you're integrating maybe either science or math or even history, art. So people get how the different subject areas might be integrated into something like that, although I help with that as well because some children's passions, it's not quite so obvious how you can make those connections. But I also then help him through our exploration of heroes. So, for example, when we were talking about uh, the Hulk and, you know, what causes the Hulk to change form, and it's a massive overload of emotional energy. 
and often negative energy. That's how people would classify it, right? Anger or fear. And so, you know, he actually, his body and his mind physically changes when that happens. And there's a correlation to what actually happens for our children when they get emotionally distraught as well. But with him, I was able to explore it. And actually, we use the terminology of catch-and-store energy. And, well, you know, do you really want to catch-and-store this kind of energy? It exists. Well, how do we turn that potentially negative energy into something positive? And even with the Hulk, although he can be destructive and has, has challenges controlling it and calming himself down, which, again, directly relates to, to children oftentimes. But, you know, also, how does he turn that? And he is using that potentially negative energy to try and do good things to help those that he cares about who he feels are threatened. So we're able to explore catch and store energy through superheroes. We were talking about Spider-Man and Spider-Man has a spidey sense and it's a completely different way for my son to start exploring, observe and interact. A lot of times we try and, and help children understand, you know, their five senses and if it's in permaculture, observe and interact when it comes to nature and slowing down and really being present and mindful in the moment. And all those things are, are valid. Well, with Spider-Man, we are able to have discussions about and then explore and actually role play the idea that his spidey sense is not something that's external to his body, right? That observe is more than just your five senses, that his spidey sense is something that's internalized. It's part of his heart and part of his soul. And he actually taps into it, you know, after a tragedy and losing his uncle. And that is the incident that causes him to say, you know what, I have this capability and with great power comes great responsibility and I'm going to own that and I'm going to use that effectively in my life. All of a sudden through something that is, seems completely unrelated to the earth makes sense to a young child. Now when I'm out and we're doing things, in the landscape, and I start using that same terminology, there's something for him to latch on to and connect to. And he could take a passion, let's say this continues, and, you know, he writes his own comics. You know, he's integrating these ideas into that and making it available then for others in the world to explore these values and this way of thinking. And again, it, it wasn't necessarily tied to the physical landscape. So I help families and then, you know, educators as well who really want to help their children understand themselves because far too often we have a plan for our children and we haven't really involved them in what they think and why they think that and having them actually become part of that discussion because it is their life. And I firmly believe that, you know, our children are not the future. I believe that our children are the future right now and that we need to start honoring that and helping them understand and self-empower because they are incredibly capable and we have undervalued that. So that's just, you know, one one example of, of what I do and how I take the, the framework but help others kind of explore in a different way. One more example might be when I'm talking with families and, you know, this will resonate with many of the interviews that you've done in the past too, but talking about planning right? When you think about education and some of these families, their kids go to public school, but when they're home, they want to do, you know, they want to cultivate a different type of relationship. And really what ends up happening is it's not about designing 
the kids' education so much as it is redesigning your relationship with your child and then your child with your family and then your family with your community. And what I've found is that, you know, as people are starting to think about, well, you know, I'm thinking about education and time. And of course, I talk more about the importance of prioritizing and that's how you actually plan versus trying to find more time. Because of course, if you actually plan based on your priorities, all of a sudden you feel like the wealthiest person in the world and you are, you know, you find all areas of your life fulfilled. But when we try and plan based on time, it always feels like a scarcity. And so I talk about that as well and actually have a couple tools that help children do that. Because as adults, a lot of times, if we're good at that, we do it, but we don't know why we do it or how we do it. And we don't make that process explicit to our children. And they want to be able to do that sort of thing. They want to be able to think that way. They want to be able to self-regulate and manage themselves in that way. And they want to be given that, that independence and that authority to do so. Well, they need tools in the beginning to see how we think like that, why we think like that, and to start doing that for themselves. So I have a couple tools that then you actually do with your children so they are the ones that are prioritizing and planning. And then you get to see their thinking process and you get to engage in discussions and reflect about how things went, you know, when they plan to do one thing, but they end up doing something else. And the tools that we talk about are tools that were used for completely different purpose. Um, they were actually originally for like software development, agile software development. But it puts the process into a visual place so that children can now see what's happening and learn to self-regulate, yet another one of our principles, right? And in a way that actually then the parents or the educators can see what's happening and help our children actually then develop those critical life skills, which are so important no matter what they do, uh, you know, later in life. So, you know, those are just, again, a few examples of, of how I work with, with children and families. And, and I found that of the, the families going through, it ends up being in the small number that, that we have gone through the educational design. And many of them find themselves, which I actually encourage, it's not about getting to an end point which, you know, one of the things about permaculture design courses is that you have a start date, modules open up at the same time, you all go through them, and you end on the same date, and projects are due, and, and then you kind of are done. And you're left going, wow, I'm really energized, I'm excited, I don't know what to do with this now. And so what I've done in, in educational design is I've taken a very similar framework, but I've made it something where you're encouraged to actually sometimes move forward, sometimes move laterally, sometimes move, move back a couple modules before you end up moving forward, and that it ends changing the way you think about learning in life, and so that it ends up being a very personal process. But of those who have gone through and, and gone through the last module, and every single one of those that have, which is about 40% of people who have started it with me, have gone through and gone through the last module, have found themselves knowing exactly where they're going to circle back to in the other modules. So even though they've gotten to the end, they're like, I'm coming back in and that this is something that I'm going to feed back into the community because my learning process has just started. Of those then 40% who have, who have gone through the, the entire thing and have circled back to some place within, many of them are, are coming to me now and saying, you know what, this has changed our entire 
family life. Our entire life has been redesigned and our, and our family relationships, not only do we find ourselves in a, in a completely different place, but I now feel ready and empowered to actually branch out into my community, which is really what, you know, what I'm kind of hoping for is great if it works for you and your family. But, you know, I think that there's a great value when people are like, you know what, I'm going to share this beyond and I'm going to help cultivate the type of community that we want to be a part of. And instead of waiting for that community to all of a sudden show up on my doorstep or to waiting for me to find another group that has already cultivated such a community, I'm going to start taking action and I'm going to start using these ideas and um, my children's loves, my children's passions and bringing in the community. And so it's transitioned for a lot of people and it has here on, uh, for me and my family where it starts with a very individual process, moves into you know, the family process, and then it becomes what I'm calling you know, community experiential education by design where you're cultivating a community of people who come together and it's not just about I'm, I'm bringing my kid to a class and I'm going to drop them off, but it's about no, 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 we're all coming in and we all have a place we all have a purpose here. We all have something of value to share with one another. And how do we do that and actually then design the type of community that we want using educational programs and hands-on, minds-on, but all through the, the framework of permaculture. So you're taking that personal approach to education as kind of like a zone zero. Mm-hmm. And starting with an individual who's looking to reform the way that their children are learning and to change that relationship. And then as they put that into action, that's kind of like their zone one. Correct. And then moves out of their community into zone two. And then if you look at the larger community that you're trying to build, as more people walk through this program and connect with you, you move out further and further into different zones and take the landscape model that we first used originally in permaculture that walked from the home out into the world and then started talking a lot about the social sides of things. And now you're applying those same models that we've been working on for the last 30 years and applying them to education. That's exactly it. It's been amazing. And um, we're just now coming to a point in the, the permakids community where we have individuals you know, around the world that are, are doing exactly that. They're moving from one zone to the next. And we're now starting to get a large enough number of, of people who are doing their other own individual efforts. Again, maybe educators that are working who are either uh, you know, a classroom teacher or maybe they're starting their own learning center, their own school, or individuals who are like, you know, I'm looking to, you know, here's my piece, here's my niche. It has to do with permaculture education with children. And, and so we're having these, these people, I'm like, fantastic. Now we have from zone zero outward happening, and I'm able to connect people with each other no matter what the individual effort is that's underway, and we have this community that's out there, and we just haven't had a way in the past to find and connect with each other so that these families who are looking to do that and build out have the support structure to continue doing so, and it shouldn't just be me. You know, I'm more than happy to to try and help get the ball rolling, but there are incredibly intelligent, thoughtful, skillful people out there. And it's it really is about community design. And so that's kind of where we are 
we're coming to now is this incredible place where where people are able to connect and 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 the, the symbiotic relationships so that we have that modeling going on and the mentoring going on between adults, adults with children, you know, intergenerational, and then you know, we'll be working towards children with other children and cultivating those symbiotic relationships and finding a way for, you know, for everyone to to understand how they play into the greater community. And that, you know, that design is in our hands. It really is because, you know, folks talk about, especially in permaculture, you know, is there really such thing as a permaculture community? Is there really such thing as a permaculture movement? Because there is so much diversity. And from my perspective, that's exactly what is going to allow this to be something that not only survives, but thrives for generations to come, is it is that diversity. And bringing that in and welcoming that through the educational, or in this case, I call it the learning landscape, right, as that starting point. But just as many people find who either learn about permaculture and start doing it themselves, or even if they are a consultant and they design and they're working with a client, and they find that as people change their physical landscape, right, their backyard, that their life starts to change, their values start to shift. And other things, just, it's you know, one thing after another, it starts to snowball, essentially, right? Well, the same thing happens within the learning landscape. It's just another it's just another way to start thinking about and ultimately getting into life design and not just individual life design, but individual family, community, world life design. You've just taken us to a place that would be a good end point for this conversation, but I always like to provide an opportunity for any final thoughts that you might have for the listeners. I guess my thought would be you're needed, and every single one of us has intrinsic value and worth. And every single one of us has knowledge and skills and experiences. And to make this something that is actually going to be lasting, we need everyone to step forward and find your own niche in a way, your own interest, your own passion, your own talents, and bring them forward. And so I'm more than happy to talk with anyone out there who feels like this is something that is an issue that you you want to be a, a part of the solution. And, you know, so my, my thing is, is you're needed. And I have folks who are like, but, you know, I work in the corporate world, but I am, you know, I'm in marketing or I'm, I'm a lawyer, you know, I, you know, I'm not really, you know, knowledgeable. And, and my return to that is this is about community experiential education by design. Every single one of us have a role to play. Don't wait. Step forward. Start owning that and finding your way to contribute because that is how we're going to make a difference in this world is each and every one of us stepping up and saying, yeah, here's how I can do it. Here's how I plug in it. I want to be part of this bigger community. I want to be part of something that's going to shape the world for generations to come. So that's what I would like to say to folks is don't wait. Don't wait. You have, you have incredible things of value. And um, we, want, we want to know those things. Come share them. Well, thank you, Jen, for joining me. We've had so many conversations in person and off the air that 
it's nice to sit down and hear from you in a way that we can take this to an even broader audience and all those people who have questions about how they can include their children more in their families' lives as well as how to leverage permaculture towards education. And thank you for having such a valuable resource for people to come to, such as permikids.com and all the work that you're doing there. It's my pleasure. I personally am very passionate and driven with this issue and I learned so much and I gained so much from being part of this community. So it is actually truly my honor to be able to just help help it get off its feet and then I want to be a part of it. I really I've learned so much from the people in the community. I it's just it's been it's been amazing and my children and their connections with other children around the world just it's absolutely incredible. And it's not something that I could do if I were just here focused on me, my family, my homestead. It really had to be something where I had to, I had to kind of move out of my comfort zone and step out. And, you know, that can be kind of hard to do that first forward. But once you do, you don't want to stop. So thank you, Scott. I want to thank you as well because you've been incredibly supportive and I've really enjoyed our conversations on air as well as off. And it's really helped me kind of shape and move things forward and stay focused on the, the community aspect and where we each have our place to play, but then how we need to connect with each other as all these different efforts are happening. And again, that, that integration piece, and we are so much stronger if we use and value that diversity and bring it together. So I want to thank and this community because you've been very supportive and I, I appreciate that. You know, stepping out and doing something in your comfort zone can be hard, but I've received nothing but wonderful comments and there's nothing more rewarding than talking to someone and having them say, you know what, my life, my family's life, my children's life is enriched and we now have a better understanding about who we are and our place and our role in order to actually actively change this world. And so there's nothing more rewarding than that. So thank you. One of the things that you touch on there about community and stepping out of your comfort zone, a lot of times I feel that it can be hard to make that first phone call or send that first email because of how often, at least from my experiences growing up, we were taught that we were kind of on our own, that our community were the people who we could afford to hire to do work for us and things like that, that it wasn't one of relying on one another. Yet the permaculture community has time and time again been a place of bounty and invitation for people to join in and become part of all of it. Oh, absolutely. You know, and folks are welcome anytime. Email me at, you know, jen at permikids.com. You can always find, of course, a contact me page on the main website. But, you know, jen at permikids.com. I also, I do and uh, highly encourage others to um, to start. I have a what's called a So Helpful profile. Um, and it's just www.sohelpful.me forward slash Jen Mendez. Um, like all one word, J-E-N-M-E-N-D-E-Z. And you get to go there, see my calendar and actually just sign up for a day and time to, to talk. And so, you know, I try and put myself out there and ways to take that first step and, and get in contact with me. And for a lot of folks, doing that one-on-one is a little bit more comfortable than maybe joining in the Edge Alliance where, you know, you're, you're going to be talking with a handful of people all in one call. And so, you know, I try and make as many options as I, as I can think of to allow people a comfortable way to take their first step forward. So if people are welcome to reach out to me directly. They're welcome to come to the website and 
join in the next Edge Alliance, anything that I can do to, to help them. I really do. In a sense, it's, it's karma. It really does pay itself back, you know, tenfold. So I like to put myself out there and um, I want folks to know that I am accessible and don't hesitate to reach out. And I'll make sure to share links and all of that information in the show notes for this episode. Yes, please. And shall we uh, take a little break and I'll join you on Permi Kids? That would be fantastic. And that was Jen Mendez of Permi Kids. You can, of course, find out more about her and her work at permikids.com and via the links in the show notes. Though she hasn't set a release date yet, my conversation with her will be posted at permikids.com soon. I like Jen's approach because her techniques empower us, like all of permaculture's practices, to actively and intentionally participate in the work that we do, in this case, the teaching of children. As a parent myself, and having few role models to turn to when my two youngest were born, I would have loved to have had a mentor like Jen to help answer some of my questions about early childhood development and milestones in a more academic, though friendly way. Since I was rediscovering permaculture at the time, this would have been most valuable to have known someone who was using that framework as a way to approach education. Times have changed, and my family has adapted to include both private and public schools to handle the early childhood education while supplementing with family activities. Yet every time I talk with Jen, I'm given new tools, such as her very visual child-friendly me map, that I can use now, even though we are not homeschooling. For me, when it comes to education in general, I don't like the idea of specialized education before college. I want everyone, particularly permaculture practitioners and their children, to be polymaths as much as possible. There's a line I turn to time and time again from the author Robert Heinlein that expresses my thoughts rather succinctly. A human being should be able to change a diaper, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. Though I might lean away from some of the more violent aspects of that quote, the general tenor of it hold true to what I see as the role of education. We're not cogs in a machine. We don't have just one job in this life where we push a button repeatedly to create the same thing over and over again. We are, all of us, capable of incredible things. We are more than the sum of our parts. I'm not just a podcast creator. I'm also a father, an artist, a partner, a teacher, a bad karaoke singer, an even worse gardener. But I can raise strawberries, onions, children, and cats. I'm a woodsman, a philanthropist, a writer, a son, a cousin, though not a brother, as I'm an only child, which also means I'm not an uncle or an aunt. I'm a nephew, a student, a gentleman, a swordsman, a scholar. And those are just the roles that I can rattle off at a moment's notice. If given the task to write down all the things I am now or ever was, the list would take volumes. The same is true for each of you. Who you are and your education matters. Teach yourself something new today, then teach someone else what you've learned and keep this cycle going. If you need help along the way, get in touch with Jen and she will be there to give you a hand. Or get in touch with me and I will do the same. By tuning in to our shows, you are a part of our communities. And we really are here for you. Email Jen at permikids.com if you would like to get a hold of her. Email show at the permaculturepodcast.com if you'd like to get a hold of me. Or you can call me, 717-827-6266. I'm not going anywhere and will be with you for as long as I can. You can also send me... A letter if you would like. I think postal mail may be my favorite way of hearing from someone, and I have a box where I keep everything I receive. That address is The Permaculture Podcast, P.O. Box 16, Dauphin, Pennsylvania, 17018. 
Also, to help you along that way, sign up for the Traveling Permaculture Library Project. Send an email to Matt Winters with your name and address, and he'll get you added to that generous cycle of sharing. All we ask is that once you are done reading a book that you receive, that you agree to mail it along to someone else involved in the project. There's a sticker in the front of each book we send out with more information. That address is librarian at thepermaculturepodcast.com. To support that and other projects, I do ask for your help. In keeping in line with the gift economy of this show, I heavily limit any advertisers to only people and products that I believe in and that have contacted me directly for assistance in sharing their message. For that reason, I rely almost entirely on listener contributions to keep this show going and on the air. Please consider becoming a member of the show by signing up at patreon.com slash permaculturepodcast. Or, if you would like to make a one-time contribution, you can do so via the PayPal button at thepermaculturepodcast.com or by sending something along in the post to the address above. You can also help me by taking two minutes and doing two things. First, leave a review on your favorite podcast site, such as iTunes, about what you think about the show. Second, share a link to your favorite episode on Facebook, Twitter, or your favorite social media of choice. Get the word out there, and we can help more people create the world they want to live in. Until the next time, when Dina Falcone, author of Foraging and Feasting, joins me, spend each day doing something new that takes care of Earth, yourself, and each other.